Hello, this is Chris. And this is Andrew, and welcome back to part two of our continuing coverage of the Final Fantasy VII Remake here on Video Games Cover to Cover. Well, part two of the first chapter of the Final Fantasy VII Remake, or section, or I don't know what you want to call it, but the first game of the remake. I don't know if I'm sold on Hello, This is Chris, or This is Andrew, either. I feel like we need to have a discussion on that. Maybe some really? sort of like cool entrance of some sort. How do you do a cool entrance in just audio? Elaborate on this for me. I, I don't know, man. You know, some sort of like uh, fanfare, I guess. I mean, yeah, that's the whole point of, of having the music and stuff. But you could just sing the victory theme like Barrett does constantly. Yeah, I called my I, I called myself chair once. You know, maybe I should just call myself different things like nameplate, mints. <laughs> just look around your room and right when it's time the the last thing your eyes meet is what you're going to be that time hello this is electrical tape <laughs> and i know what you're thinking why do you have electrical tape in the computer room well there's just so many reasons i mean i wasn't thinking that at all but that makes sense hello this is fish see that's a little stranger actually than electrical tape uh, but i got a fish right here that i'm looking at my happy my happy little fish Tell us about the fish, because obviously this is the most important thing on the podcast right well, it's now. It's not the most important thing on the podcast. I just got this fish. I got one. I, I put a picture of it in the in the uh, Discord. Got a, a beta fish, and uh, I have one of those EcoCube C things that, like, it has a plant on top, and then you have, like, a fish in the bottom, and then the... It's just cool. I like looking at it. It gives me, you know, it gives me happiness throughout the day. I, I'm cool. <laughs> Congratulations. I mean, legitimately, fish are cool. I'm not dissing that. I just don't know how to respond to that exactly. I wasn't expecting you to respond. I was just, that was just one of those, it's one of those things I was looking at. Hello, this is Band-Aid. Because <laughs> I have those in here too, because I messed my hand up the other day. Okay. Hello, this is Lightsaber Chopsticks. I got a lot of weird stuff in here, I'm realizing. I, I want more details on the lightsaber chopsticks now, but we really probably should start the episode at this point. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like it's a missed opportunity if there isn't some sort of like a laser sword in this game. I'm really hoping that I come across one at some point because I feel like that's a, nece that's a necessity that we, we really need to have. Kind of like that picture, like the Doom picture that uh, whatever studio created Doom put on their put on their Twitter Id. to celebrate the release of Final Fantasy VII. Id? Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty cool uh, little picture, too. And honestly, Doom Marine is terrifying enough that he doesn't need cool swords, but he can have one if he wants. Yeah, but just imagine how terrifying he would be with a cool sword. It's true. I mean, I'm not disputing that. I mean, if he if he's already terrifying, you know, you add a cool sword into that, and that's just, like, infinitely more terrifying. I mean, he's terrifying enough that the the story that's canon in the games is that all the demons are terrified of him. So, well, yeah, but isn't that wasn't he just originally just some guy? He was just a he was a marine who got um, sent to Mars for insubordination because he like refused to obey orders. Like his commander wanted him to do something bad and he refused to do it, so they sent him to Mars, and then he just proceeds to destroy everything. Why are demons on Mars though? The company that he, the evil company that he works for you know not unlike shinra is doing bad things and basically opens a portal to hell i just don't understand what that like gets them 
I get that companies evil or whatever, but like, how does opening a portal to ha- that has nothing to do with Final Fantasy? That's just like a whole a whole dump that has happened. Originally, now, like, I can't it, process it. Originally, it was a teleportation experiment, and the reboots that they're doing, uh, inner like harnessing hellfire and stuff for energy. Cool. I mean, you got to get power from somewhere. And if we can just steal it from hell, why not? <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah. It's probably a better choice than Mako, though. I, I don't I don't know. Unless you want Barrett to blow up all your factories. Yeah, the, I mean, on the one hand, you have Avalanche blowing up your stuff. On the other hand, you have literal demons coming out constantly, so... <laughs> Well, so by that standpoint, I'd much rather steal Mako from the planet. Yeah. Uh. Occasionally get blown to bits, just rebuild. You know, that's just how it works. It's the cycle. <laughs> Until Titus comes along and sacrifices himself or Yuna or somebody or however that game ended in a dream sequence. And, and then just perfect. Everyone's good. And you have Final Fantasy X too, where you get them back in the end if you have 100% completion, which is essentially impossible to do. And then Cloud stabs Sephiroth, probably. Well, Cloud does that anyway, as we find out. Well, I mean... I mean, eventually. found out yet, but eventually you find out that Cloud is the one that stabbed him to death. Unless they decided to change that and Tifa stabbed him to death instead, which I'd be perfectly fine with. <laughs> when my, so, so my wife is also playing Final Fantasy VII. And uh, she uh, got to that point where Tifa picks up the sword. And I was like, she was Sethroth the whole time. (laughs) That must be it. It makes perfect sense when you say it like that. So I think last time we stopped off right when we were doing a lot of the side quests around town. Yeah, we were just getting there. Basically, we had just met up with Tifa. Yeah. And so, so Tifa then ends up taking you over to the... The house where she's currently staying. Yeah, the little apartments, um, which are not very nice, but, you know, whatever. It's a free place to sleep. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, because apparently she is a, she's sympathetic to the cause, and the the old lady that there who, who is there who keeps insisting that you, you date and not hurt Tifa, <laughs> and it's like, okay, like, I get it. I, I understand. I will date Tifa. I promise you. Also, I will not hurt her because I'm pretty certain either way, you're going to stab me in my sleep if I don't do either. (laughs) Also, Tifa can punch. I mean, like, I'm not sure that hurting Tifa is going to work out well for you, to be perfectly honest. Well, I meant she she meant hurting her emotionally, Andrew, not physically. Either way. I don't think that lady was even talking about physical because... Here, well, here, okay. So here's I wasn't the problem, either. I was Andrew. talking about emotional. I'm just saying she. If you she hurt can punch. Tifa emotionally and her first response is to punch you, then that was a bad relationship in the first place. I mean, yes, violence. Uh, do, don't what we do in, not endorse all, violence? What are you trying to infer about Tifa here that she's really strong and can whoop and people? apparently unstable and will punch you if if you break up with her. I'm upset with you, sir. How dare you imply Tifa? would would do these things no she's just crushing on cloud super hard just like uh, jesse extremely crushing on cloud and Aerith, presumably when we get there so i, I mean yeah <laughs> except for the fact that i've spent more 
time with Jesse. Well, well, not really. I, I, because you immediately stop off. You you kind of spend an equal amount of time with both of them in in, in the first few um, first four or five chapters. I, I would say yeah, because chapter three is really all Tifa time because you just go around with her and do side quests until you're ready to move on. And so there there's multiple side quests that you can do in this little town area. One is like kill the rat, were rat king or something. The doom rats. Yeah. Because you kill the wear rats and you go back and the item shop owner is like, no, 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 no. I mean, thanks, but no, I wanted you to kill the big ones. And then you're basically just supposed to go back, which all I did was look around for cats. And once I found all five cats, it just so happened, which I thought was kind of funny because when you walk up and you tell her like, hey, I talked to the cats. They hate me. They ran away. She's like, what? So I'm never going to see him again. And they immediately shut up. I don't really know what to tell you, kid. You know? I want to say. I guess they are here. um, I mean, this is not going to be a surprise coming for me. I I found the side quest pretty endearing for the most part. I mean, the the stuff like the rats is pretty, you know, RPG cliche starter quest material. But in general, I enjoyed the environment of... Sector 7, and by that I mean things like that lady who cheers you on about the monsters or all the dialogue that keeps changing as you do the quests or, you know, just giving more personality to the people running the stores and the random people in town. I, I thought that was all really nice. Yeah, when you're when you're going around town and you're completing a lot of these side quests, basically the whole time Tifa is cheering you on, like the first thing she does is, hey, I can find you a couple jobs here and there. And as soon as you finish up these jobs, then you can, you know, more people want to want your time and everything like that. And you'll be able to get more famous and everybody's going to want your work and everything. And Tifa's just really trying to help you, like, establish yourself in the town because Tifa obviously, like, really doesn't want you to go anywhere because she even asks you on multiple occasions, hey, so what are your plans after this like are you gonna leave are you gonna stick around or yeah tifa is very clearly going out on a limb for cloud during that entire situation both because obviously she's very clearly crushing on him but also just because she clearly wants to help him i wouldn't say she's going out on a limb though everyone was more than happy to be like Tifa, what's up? How you doing? What's going on? Oh, who's that guy? Cool. Yeah, I guess he can go kill some rats for me. Whatever. When are you going to come back, though? I mean, that's that's fair. I guess going out on a limb is probably a bad description of that sort of thing. But she's helping him out significantly. And like I think we talked about last time, Cloud is just really not picking up what she's putting down there in terms of during this entire side quest section, he really doesn't seem to be registering that she's doing him a favor and stuff and seems mostly like he feels inconvenienced by everything more than that she's helping him. I don't necessarily think it's more of an inconvenience thing. I think if it's more of just a, these jobs aren't really worth my time, I'm basically just wasting my time, and he's more annoyed that Barrett still refuses to pay him, which I'm totally, I mean, I totally, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I mean, we just blew up a massive reactor and Barrett was like, yeah, I totally pay you. And then you get back and he's like, oh, turns out I don't have any of the money. 
you're going to have to... And then Tifa's like, oh, well, we can go around and get the money by picking it up at all these places. And it's like, cool. So I get to go do a bunch of chores to get the money that you already owe me. I can kind of see why he'd be annoyed about that whole situation. To be fair, at the time, all they said was Barrett was out taking care of stuff and you get the money as soon as you get back, which to, no, again... They spe- she specifically said, you will get your half of the money when she, you do the filters. She said, we will go do the filters around town. That'll right, be and- half of your money. Barrett will have the other half when when we get back. Right, because he was out doing stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not completely, but my point was... It's not like Barrett was sitting around there being like, yeah, no, I'm not doing it. He's just not there because he's left to go get the rest of the money. I'm not I'm not disparaging Barrett at all. I'm saying it's I can be you, you basically said Cloud acts like it's a huge annoyance. Yeah, it definitely is. I was told I'd be paid for this. Like I quite literally put my life on the line for this whole cause. I'm and not- then I come back and you say you don't have any of the money. Yeah, I'd be kind of annoyed, too. I'm not saying he can't be annoyed or whatever. What I was getting at was he does not seem to register the fact that Tifa trying to line up all these jobs for him is doing him a favor. And that's the part that I was like, he seems to be unnecessarily annoyed about because that doesn't have anything to do with Barrett paying him. I mean, so so originally it starts off by doing the whole filter stuff. Right. Which then leads into the side quests. Then you get the random side quest. And and that I, I do agree with, although one of the side quests was go find this little girl's cats. To be fair, that little girl was adorable. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you, but in the 10-second interaction I had with her that basically said, go find my cats, and you walk up to every single cat and be like, hey, man, you want to come? Nope. Okay, bye. <laughs> then you go back and you're like, yeah, all your cats are gone. I don't really know what to tell you. And then the cats are there anyway. What a surprise. Turns out they're following Tifa back. At least she got her cats. I did. I did really enjoy that whole section, mostly just because, you know, you get to spend some quality time, you know, with Tifa that isn't just it's more character building. Like you get to see more of her and how she interacts with the other people, because like it's very clear that she's actually built a life here. It's not like she just showed and she said that she showed up, I think a year or a couple years ago two or, or three years ago i think at that point yeah and so it's it's clear that she has like built up a life here she's built up a reputation with these people she's got the bar and then there's that katie person and then there's that kid chadley who's <laughs> a shinra representative who hates yep. shinra he's a shinra intern and he's like yeah i can you i can develop a whole bunch of material to take down shinra well yeah because he first he's like I'm an intern with Shinra, and I'd love to use your help to do some research to develop new materia. Cloud's like, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'm not exactly pro Shinra. And then he's like, neither am I. I'm taking them down from the inside. And I'm like, okay, I don't believe that for a second, but whatever. Give me that materia. I mean, sure. (laughs) If you're going to give me materia... That's fine, because that basically means, yeah, this is the only place you're going to be able to get this materia in the entire game. So it's basically the only option. Even then, even if you can get it other places, because, like, uh, one of the ones he gives you is... Did you get arrow from him? I think you do. You have to. You can't get wind anywhere else that I found. Oh, I thought I had multiple wind materia at this point, but maybe not. I do. I bought two from him. I couldn't find anywhere else to buy wind materia. 
regardless, the point is, yeah, he's got fancy materia that he will give you if you do his side quests, which involve battle research of various kinds. Yeah. I can't wait to get back there because I'm sitting on a couple of completed quests for him, and now I'm like, I need to go back to Sector 7 to report to Chadley to get my materia. He shows up in the next town you go to. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's already there. That's the thing. He knows exactly where you're at, basically, at all times. I don't know if you noticed when you were leaving Sector 7 in the yeah, first Yeah, he was place, at the train station. He was already at the train station, which already leads me to believe that Chadley knows a little bit more than he's letting on. Either that, or it's just a game mechanic of, yeah, realistically, we just need him to be there, so he's there for some reason. But I also wouldn't put it past... I, I also wouldn't put it past anything to be like, oh, yeah, he's actually secretly been working for Shinra the whole time. And It's not even a secret. He openly tells you he's working with Shinra. Well, yes, but as an intern. And he's going to take him down from the inside, though, if you can believe that. Yeah, in the next town, he actually gives you, well, if you can beat her, a really nice summon. Ooh, that'll, that'll go well because I've got two summons and I'd love to have everybody have a summon. Yeah. So at the moment, except you can basically never use summons. Yeah, they only let you use them during boss fights, like the like chapter boss fights, basically, which is pretty depressing. It is actually super annoying because there's other times where it's definitely, yeah, I could really use a summon right now, and the game's not giving me one. It is interesting how much I feel like the mechanics are kind of designed to really limit magic and... That's okay, because magic winds up being really effective when you do use it, but the amount of MP you get is really small, and it definitely recharges a little bit between fights when you're running around, I noticed, but you you, you just don't get a ton of MP, and the abilities that you get from your weapons and the non-spell things don't cost MP, so the game is clearly designed to make you lean on those a little bit more and make your spells you know, something like really special for when you need a big boom. Which I find very interesting. I don't really like it at all. I, you know, I knew you were going to say that because I know how much you love magic. It's more, it is very heavily combat focused. And it's like not even, even if you were to put somebody, one of your other characters in the magic slot, their ATB char- bar charges so slow when they're not the, the person you're controlling that it's like, what is even the point? Seriously, like, what is even the point of magic? You occasionally, like, are in a battle. You sit there and you 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 go to the person who has your skill or has the magic that they're weak to just so you can knock them down and immediately blast them with, with, with Cloud Sword that you can... Seriously, I've only gotten two of. I have multiples for, for Barrett and Tifa, but I've only gotten one sword... Other than the Buster Sword for Cloud, are you kidding me? Yeah, I've got two guns for Barrett and three Knuckles total. And it's like, okay, he's literally the main character. Would be really nice if I had another weapon for him. Well, I mean, it's clearly built around, because of that weapon customization thing, that I clearly they're not going to give us very many. I thought, I mean, that's pretty obvious, which I'm a little disappointed by, but... I noticed all the weapons are basically like key items and you can never sell them even if you wanted to, which is good because, you know, you may want to switch them anyway. But it's interesting because the weapon changes aren't really necessarily upgrades. They're just different focuses. Yeah, and I don't necessarily know if I like that. Which I guess is nicer than the original game where you literally only had the Buster Sword the entire Midgar section. 
it I, I I do find it incredibly annoying that it's like, could you just give me a different sword, please? I'd like to, especially with updated graphics and everything like that. It's like I would love to be able to see a whole bunch of different swords that Cloud could use. That'd be so awesome to see. And it's like, nope, I get two. The Buster Sword, which I immediately switched out for the Iron Sword as soon as I got it in like chapter two. It's chapter three. Yeah, because it's during the... Whatever, when you're yeah. going around with the stuff. I don't know what chapter that was because those all wound together. All the, the side quests in Sector 7 were chapter three. Sure. Because it was the longest chapter for a little while. There's been a couple others that have been pretty long since then, but three was significantly longer than like one, two, or four, I thought. It, it, it's there, There's a couple of things that have been incredibly annoying about the battle system. The... This is really interesting because last week you were so excited about how you basically were, you know, it was the best battle system you'd played and stuff. So I'm definitely really curious what's changed about your opinion. Um, well, when you fight characters that are primarily Tifa based, I'd say grappling and they have such broken abilities where they can literally fly across the map and interrupt every single one of your spells or ATB or whatever. And not only do you lose the MP for it, but then you also lose the entire ATB bar, which is absolute garbage. If you're going to make me lose something like, oh, I interrupted the spell or whatever, that's fine. But at least don't take my entire bar away because it's impossible to heal without having an ATB bar. That sucks, and I have lost... There there are a couple battles where I'm at right now that I just absolutely cannot beat, and I'm heavily considering going down to easy mode in order to actually beat them, because there's just nothing I can do. What are you supposed to do against that? Every single time I go to use a spell like Cure or an item or anything, this person just flies across the map and tackles me and there goes my ATB bar, there goes my spell, none of it happened and now I'm just out. I'm sitting there with 10 HP and I'm just screwed. And it's it's just incredibly annoying because it's like, how are you supposed to deal, like, seriously, how are you supposed to deal with that? Uh, swap characters, I guess. That's the only, th- I mean, that, and try to do dodges. I, that's the only things I can think of. Oh, that's not even, being at that spot. Even better, Andrew, is when you dodge, it doesn't matter because you still get attacked. Because apparently, not only it is flying across the map, apparently just not get interrupted by any spells or anything that you throw at them, but when they interrupt you, there's literally nothing you can do about it. And so, okay, well, I've dodged. Oh, but guess what? That just somehow magically moves over and attacks you anyway. I seriously have no idea how to deal with a grappling opponent. And I I just, I, I, I honestly just don't know what to do. Maybe I'm just bad. Maybe I need to focus on blocking more. I just, I, I just don't know what to do. Is this different when you say a grappling opponent? Is this something that's different from like the stuff that would tackle you and pin you to the ground? Yes. Okay, then I maybe I just haven't seen a grappling opponent specifically. Because I know with the stuff that tackled me, I would just switch to another character and run over and punch them a couple times or something, and they'd let go. Chapter 8 stuff, so I doubt you've seen it yet. No, I haven't. And it's just incredibly annoying because it's like, I I, I seriously, I I really just don't know what to do. I, I guess lean really heavily on blocking and just 
hope that a spell actually goes off. I What really, really frustrates me to no end is that not only do we not get a new sword for Cloud, but we still don't have a sword that has a linking materia slot. So I have this useless materia just sitting around that I can't use, or I put on Barrett or Tifa because they have linking slots, but not Cloud. I, I, I see like there, there are parts that are just unbelievably annoying about this game. That is really fascinating for how much you were talking it up last week. So it's interesting that as you've gone further in, like the magic is wearing off a little bit. It's not the magic. It's the, it's just the fact that the game's getting significantly harder and it's not giving me the tools I actually need. It's not like I'm not spending skill points. It's not like I'm not leveling up or not doing things. I'm doing the same things that I normally do power leveling in certain sections because I have the ability to just do stuff over and over and over. But when you literally can't use your spells or abilities, what are you supposed to do? How do you combat that? When you can't use a spell, which means you can't heal and you can't use an item because an item doesn't cast immediately either. It has a cooldown time and that gets interrupted. What are you supposed to do? Just hope that you never take damage ever, which is impossible because even when you do block, you still take damage. It's just annoying because there are things that other characters definitely have and that you can use and would be beneficial for Cloud to have, but he just doesn't because, oh, we can't give him a new weapon yet. Why? That's what I'm telling you. I'm in chapter eight, Andrew, and I'm still using that second sword. Okay. I mean, you said there were 18 chapters. Yes. How many swords does he actually have? Three? Because I can only assume that if I've used this one for six chapters, I can ha- I have to assume that he has exactly two more swords based off of how often I've gotten them now. I'm going to guess you get one in Wall Market when you get there, which I think is chapter nine, and one or two more after that. What is What even... It, that's my speculation, Andrew, is what even is after Wall Market? Because in the Midgar, Midgar section before, it's Wall Market and then literally end game. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's been a lot of stuff already that was dramatically expanded. Wall Market will probably wind up being a couple chapters on its own, if I had to guess. Because, I mean, the whole section, that well, I guess we'd be getting slightly ahead of ourselves, but like the, the entirety of Chapter 4 and 5 didn't exist at all in the original game, so I would assume there's going to be more like that. Back to, I guess, where we left off. So, one thing we do, I do want to make sure we mention here... Because this actually happens before any of the side quests in Chapter 3 is the the Sephiroth incident that I referenced last time that I actually thought was very well done, where you meet Marco. I thought that happened at the end of Chapter 3. No, that happens when you first get introduced to the apartment because he, he wakes up Cloud in the middle of the night on the first night. I thought you didn't sleep until after... You don't sleep until after you talk to Barrett the first time. Because you have to... Com- you, you basically have to complete... No, you're right. Once you complete... If you complete all the side quests. No, it's even before any of the side quests because it's that first night and then then you get up and Cloud's like, okay, where's my money? And that's what Tifa's like, yeah, we're going to go do the filters. Regardless, I guess whenever it happens in Chapter 3, we don't need to argue about the specifics of when it does, but I'm almost positive it's very early. But whenever it is. So at some point, Cloud is sleeping in in his apartment that Tifa got him, right? So at some point, Cloud wakes up in the middle of the night in his apartment 
that Tifa had gotten him, which is right next door to Tifa's apartment, which is, you know, a nice uh, touch. And Tifa goes, tells him about the next door neighbors who are, you know, we'll meet them at some point, but then you go, you get woken up. So Cloud's immediately like, well, I guess it's time for introductions. And you go next door. Oh, that's right. It's like a lion, just like a like moaning, some yeah, weird noise. Yeah, it's it's some weird like moaning growl thing. And you go next door, and then Cloud sees what he thinks is Sephiroth and starts to freak out and pulls a sword and gets ready to attack and like falls backwards. And there's, there's this whole sequence of Sephiroth like advancing on him in this apartment and Cloud freaking out and falling over and. To give the game a little credit, this is probably the most not a cool guy moment that Cloud has in the, in the game at this point. Uh, so I do feel like I should mention that, given what we talked about last time. But t- then Tifa shouts at him right when he's getting ready to swing at Sephiroth, and he realizes that it's just some random guy who's named Marco that Tifa stops him from attacking. She seems really freaked out, but then she like immediately moves on from it and like never mentions it again in a way that felt a little strange. Because she immediately goes to, oh, that's Marco, you know, can I trust you to look out for? And I'm like, he literally just almost killed him. I'm not sure I'd immediately jump to, can you keep an eye on him when no one else is around? Well, in in, in her defense, Cloud immediately, like, it, it seemed more like she was worried, like, Cloud, what the heck are you doing? What is going on? What is wrong with you? And then when he snaps out of it, she kind of immediately is like, oh, well, you seem normal again. And, and I guess we were about to gloss over a really important part along the same lines. When you're doing those whole side quest stuff and you do the whole Johnny thing where Johnny is basically telling Shinra that you guys are Avalanche. That isn't a side quest, though. That's part of the main story. Oh. The Johnny thing is is required. Well, specifically, what I'm getting at is... When you go to scare him off, Cloud is like, so were we just going to kill him? Because he's just going to tell everybody that we're Avalanche. And she's like, what? No. Yeah. And then he's like, well, what about the guards? Because apparently they're just knocked out, which, okay, sure they are. You used a gigantic sword to slice them into a million pieces, but they're definitely just knocked out. And then she's like, Cloud, you're scaring me. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is it's not the first time like she she's and 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 because she mentions you know you've really changed and he's like oh really do you think and she's like yeah um you seem like a huge murderer now <laughs> I mean she didn't quite say that part but that's pretty clearly what she's thinking and that's yeah. exactly what she's thinking she's like uh bro you're kind of a huge d-bag now Maybe don't just go around murdering everybody to solve your problems. That does seem like probably a better solution than not, you know, going around and not murdering people. What do you want him to do? How else is he supposed to solve problems? He's got a gigantic sword and he doesn't talk. Andrew, there's only one solution. (laughs) Murder. That's it. Murder is the only option. Well, what other options can you think of? Not murder. Again, how? Explain to me how you just wouldn't go around murdering people. I don't know. Just, like, don't do it. I mean, hopefully you don't go. How are you going to escape the bombing of a Shinra company without murdering, Andrew? 
This is an interest. This conversation is going in an interesting direction, given the topic conversation we had last week, where we argued about violence <laughs> with the reactors and stuff. Andrew, I'm being thrust into a position where murder is the only option. <laughs> you think I wanted to do? My entire argument is we shouldn't be there in the first place, and you were like, "Yeah, we definitely should be." So please tell me, Andrew, since we should be blowing up a reactor, how do we get out of that situation without murdering people on the way out? Let's not do this again. This would be this would make for three weeks in a row. We're going to have the same discussion. So I just asked you a question. You said the 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 solution should not be murder. He only has two things at his disposable: the sword, his muscles, because he doesn't <laughs> ever say anything. And when he does, that's not true. He actually talks quite a bit about it compared to the fir- to the original game. He actually talks quite a bit in the remake. Yes, and every single time he talks, he's a douche. I mean, yes, that part is definitely true. So there's but he only, does talk quite a bit. There's only one tool in his problem-solving belt, and that's his sword. He's not Yoroni Kenshin going around with a dull sword just beating everybody up. I guarantee you of that. But, oh, since apparently the Shinra guards were still alive, I guess that is actually what he's doing. I have to assume that Tifa's the one that actually punched them because anyone that 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 Cloud was fighting against is not alive. They're just not. I mean, when you're swinging a blade that large, cuz even the iron sword is, you know, pretty gigantic, how much cutting is it really going to do as opposed to just like knocking them around and bruising? <laughs> I mean, if it's sharp enough a lot of cutting. How, how do you make something that big, that sharp, though? Because, I mean, like, the blade's so wide. Easily. I mean, how do, how do they... There, there's... Have you ever seen gigantic industrial slicers? Like, it, it's definitely a thing that exists. Especially in a world where you have magic. I mean, gigantic in terms of thing, but usually the width of the blade is still gets very, very narrow, and that sword definitely does not do that. I mean, if you look at both swords very carefully and closely, they very clearly taper to a sharp point. Okay, maybe I just didn't notice because I mean, like, there's definitely some tapering, but it still seems like it's pretty. It still seemed to, as far as I could see, that it was still pretty thick, which is where I was getting like he. At that point, you're just like swinging a giant baseball bat around. So, what's even the point of having a sword then if it's not sharp? I mean, I don't know. That's why I'm asking the question, but that's how they're alive, right? Because he's just beating them around with it. He's not actually slicing them up. Sure. Okay, so how do you explain Barrett, who's shooting them with a literal gun? Obviously, they're dum-dum rounds. I don't know. (laughs) But the sword hurts more than the bullets, so who even knows at this point? Of course the sword hurts. Andrew, if you were to hit me, even if it was dull, with a sword of that size that's gonna hurt way more than a bullet i beg to differ because i once one swing of a sword like that i mean maybe if you hit him like in a hard part or whatever but like there's a reason we stopped using swords in the army (laughs) and stuff like that yeah because why because of ranged you yeah, do we don't know use... that sort, certain captains still use yeah, well, still yeah, have but like still swords like, and stuff but they're like bayonets they're are still a thing not... that they put on the end of of guns Yes, but it's not like anyone's going around fighting with the bayonet and not using the gun part. The bayonet is a weapon of last resort. Yes. And, okay, so 
Cloud doesn't use an M4, Andrew. We don't have an option. The sword is the only resort. Right. But my, my point is that if you were going to compare the two, the sword does way more damage, even though in reality getting shot by a bullet almost certainly is going to do more long-term damage to you than getting smacked in the sword once. Not necessarily. If the bullet does not hit a major artery and it goes straight through, really stopping the bleeding is your only problem. If you were to hit somebody with a sword of that size, we're talking like halfway through your body, there's a giant flesh wound. That's not just going to go away. That's just that's that's a long-lasting effect called death. There's nothing you can do about a, a gas wound the size of a person's body. That sword is as long as he is. And the amount of force it would take to 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 stop that even if it's dull, dude, that's going to do serious damage. In the words of Phil Swift, now that's a lot of damage. <laughs> Notice how he didn't go for the gun when he was poking holes in that bucket. He went straight for the Bowie knife and then upgraded to a chainsaw, but still. I'm not actually sure what you're talking about, so I'll just take your word for it on that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You've never seen the Flexio commercials. Oh, the Flexio. Okay. I didn't yeah, realize Swift, that's what. That's a lot of da- What am I working I mean, with here? <laughs> I, like, what is this? This guy doesn't think a gigantic sword is going to cut anything. He doesn't know who Phil Swift is. Andrew, I don't know what to do with any of this information I've just been given. I don't know, man. Tifa is, is, is very. And it's not until that point that Cloud kind of starts to rethink maybe. Hey, maybe I shouldn't be a giant jerk the whole time. Um, she is my childhood friend and everything. At first, he's kind of like, what's her problem? Like, I'm just being realistic here. And and yeah. it's very clear that Cloud has no problem with the whole murder scenario. He's like on board. He's always been on board. And that is the other complaint that I've had about this game. I've got to make exactly like one choice. Otherwise, Cloud two. has said everything. I mean, even in the even in the original game, there was a few choices here and there that you could pick. I've gotten to make exactly one decision, and that's, hey, what dress do you want me to wear? Now, admittedly, that's a very important decision that I'm glad they left up to me, but you really, like, there's no other good decision that you can tell me? Like, there's, that, the, that's, there's the flower decision with Aerith. Two decisions I've gotten to make. And the I third one that we're not talking about yet because we haven't gotten there, but there's a third one that I've done. What third decision have you done? Where Jesse invites you to come back tomorrow. Oh. And you get decision. There's a decision there. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so whatever, that's a ton, Andrew. There's but... been like two, there's been three decisions. I stand corrected. There's been a few decisions. But no, that's not a ton. I'm not disputing that. But so far, that, but... none of those decisions have come to fruition. Nothing that I have made a decision on has had any impact on anything because as soon as I'm told to come back, everyone thinks Cloud's dead and he's gone forever. Sure, that didn't have an impact, but I'm pretty sure the flower decision does because I don't think you get the flower if you do it. And obviously the dress decision does like you talked about last time. Oh, you're right. You didn't have the opportunity to give Tifa that flower, which is very important. I mean, I'm not going to say that's... I'm not going to say those are gigantic, but there's been a little bit. But I wasn't a expecting huge decision, Andrew, making sure that she gets that flower. But I also wasn't expecting a lot because Final Fantasy and really JRPGs in general are generally not known for having a bunch of decisions compared to like your Western style RPGs. 
Yes, but they also generally have these secret metrics where you're secretly finding out which girl you want to romance the entire time. Like, how many times you heal this person in battle, or how many times you talk to them. and like That's the kind of weird stuff that was happening in Final Fantasy X, where it's like, if you just give me certain decisions I can make, this would be way easier. Like, whether or not you give Tifa the flower, should have. I, I feel like kind of should have been a decision. I would have done it, but I also feel like there are players who maybe wouldn't have. Maybe they don't like Tifa because they just, I don't know. Because they hate fun. I guess. <laughs> because Tifa's been a, a nothing but a delight this entire time. I, I Running around with her doing all the side quests and stuff has just been awesome. And I'm, I'm really glad that I get her. It, it, it seems like it, I, I just get her for, from now on. For the most part, yeah. Until... You find out nobody wants you because after you go talk to Barrett, everyone's made the decision of, hey, you're not coming with us on the next mission. Well, that's not fair. Barrett makes that decision because from the way everybody else talks, they all wanted you. <laughs> well, yes. And Barrett's like, no, I don't want to pay that guy because Jesse wants you, Wedge, Biggs, everybody. When they all come up, they're like, oh, man, I was really rooting for you. And I'm like, so literally everyone but Barrett. Because obviously Tifa wanted me to go too. Everyone but Barrett wanted me to go on this mission. Barrett, dude. I will say though, I mean, I know we had our discussion about Avalanche and Barrett, but I, I do want to say, I think this section, like especially the part where he spends time with Marlene goes a long way towards like making him more likable. I, don't get me wrong. I didn't not like Barrett this entire time. He's been a jerk to Cloud, but that's only because Cloud has been a giant jerk to him back. Yeah. Seeing him interact with his daughter and everything, and, and to to a lesser degree, interacting with the rest of the, the party members, it's very clear that Barrett cares about the people he's with. He even cares about Cloud. He just, Cloud is just a giant jerk to him the whole time, so Barrett's just throwing it right back. He's doing the same thing Cloud is doing, and that becomes, I think, pretty clear and is more clear in the remake than the original where he's trying to be the tough leader guy, but he definitely is a lot softer than he lets on. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and as I look back on that, like seeing how he acts around Marlene and even some of the ways like he interacts with cloud and Tifa as the story goes on that we'll get to a little bit later. He reminds me a lot of cloud where he like, he's kind of a dork in an endearing way. And like, I, when I think back on it, like, I feel like, Maybe even that speech he gave in chapter two about, you know, we knew this was a possibility, you know, it's great or whatever, was just basically him trying to keep everybody else's spirits up. And I, cause I don't think he actually wanted to do that based on some of the things he said. Like he would definitely still also have preferred it not, not to have innocents killed. He just basically tried to act tough. And, and, and while I can agree with that, like I was saying before, they immediately go out and do it again. So that argument kind of falls short pretty quickly. Although they're a lot clearer about specifically trying to get people out of there and stuff, because like Tifa specifically sends Biggs to do that and stuff like that in the second run. Well, yes, which I mentioned last time. Tifa, the, the thing is, the biggest difference with everybody else and Tifa and to a lesser degree, Jesse, is Tifa is, is very much against it. I mean, we went into this last time, so there's no reason to go into it again. But 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 Tifa is has really been the one that's like, and she even says this in that 
when she's serving you drinks and everything like that, which was which was a really cool interaction. Uh, but it, it, okay, Andrew, I, I got, I'm eating my words now because there's another choice whether to take the drink or not. It's true. There's been so many choices that I've just forgotten about. I actually had forgotten about that one too, and now you said something. So yeah, that's four. So while I'm sitting a over whopping here four crow, choices, Tifa's over there going, not like this. She's like, I get that it's something that needs to happen, but not like this. And I, I 100% agree with her. It, I just thought it was funny that everyone but Barrett wanted you to go on the mission. And he's like, no, 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 no. You're not going on the mission. And actually, I thought that was interesting because they actually gave him a little bit less of an explanation than that we got in the original game, even as as much as the original game was much shorter in this section overall, because in the original, he makes a comment about how he didn't want to pay Cloud because he was trying to save the money to send Marlene to school. And I don't think he ever says anything about that in the remake. No, he doesn't. That in, in, in That's actually a decent reason. Right. That's like a good reason. And it's like, okay, Barrett, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, I was really surprised that with all the stuff they're adding, they took out they took out what I thought was like a really good character moment for Barrett for him to say that. I think it was also replaced with the endearing moment with him and his daughter and him being incredibly protected because Cloud just kind of walks over and then she gets scared. Yeah. Which I also kind of think was a bit of an overreaction because if you were in the room and looking at both of them, he literally just walked up and said hi, and she ran away, and Barrett immediately flies off the handle. It's like, dude, I really don't know what to tell you, man. I just said hi. Well, why don't you not be not why don't you not be scary next time? I just said hi. I don't understand how to not be scary. You have a gun for an arm. How is she not used to literally the most scary thing? <laughs> like, period. You have a machine gun for an arm. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, though, that's her dad. She's used to that. But like, I, I don't disagree that that is significantly scarier than anything Cloud is bringing to the table, just looking at them. He's also half the size of Barrett. Yeah, Barrett's gigantic. Like he's he's very tall and like very broad. He, and, and he he's like just all muscle. said hi. Yeah, but but not to get hung up on on that because we haven't really made a whole lot of progress this episode. the The very next thing you do is uh, you 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 leave after you play darts, which we had kind of talked about last time. Yeah, and then you go back to your hotel room or motel or whatever, wherever you're staying. Like the crappy apartment, whatever it is. I also, we almost didn't mention, and I just thought about this, and this is important enough. I'm going to go back real quick, but they show a shot when Tifa is separating Cloud and Marco. And I just remembered this because we were talking about the apartments again, where Marco, Marco's sleeve is ripped and he has a number tattoo on it, which I know you said you didn't have a lot of context for that, and that's totally understandable because you didn't get far enough in the base game, but that tattoo is a sign of being one of the, like, Sephiroth servants, basically, like the people that he has that link with. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we mentioned that last time. I don't, well, we didn't talk about, like, Marco at all, other than just that it was cool. I I thought we went into detail about that, but... Maybe um, not. I mean, if we did, then my bad, sorry. I, I, I could also be wrong because it was kind of a long episode. But 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 yeah, I I obviously don't really know much about that. All I knew at the time was 
he was some random sick guy that Cloud suddenly decided was was Sethiroth, which I kind of figured he had something to do with it because he, yeah. he's like weird. It's, I thought it had something to do with maybe like Mako poisoning um, because that's something that we're going to quickly come up against. So I kind of thought it had something to do with that. I, that. I mean, that probably is partially connected too because like a lot of that is having that sort of um, Mako connection and stuff too, like in the same way that Cloud does. So. I mean, it very well could also be a thing. And I think the guy in the original game that Marco is basically being, or that we talked about where that was a replacement for that guy that you meet with Aerith in, in Aerith's town in the original game, which I think was sector five, sector six, one of those yeah, in sector the five in the original game, Aerith makes a comment that that guy has Mako poisoning. And that's why all he can do is like moan and stuff. So presumably Marco has the same thing going on. They might as well just call Sector 7 Tifa Town and Sector 5 Aerith Town because everyone in both of those sections are basically fawning all over both of those two the entire time. <laughs> because like I'm far enough to, to, to be with Aerith now, and it's like, it's the exact... Basically just copy and paste that whole Tifa section on top of... But and replace Tifa with Aerith, and now you have the Sector 5 slums. Everybody clearly is, oh, Aerith, we love you. You're so cool. Who's this guy? What is he <laughs> doing? Excuse me, sir? I'm like, um, I'm her bodyguard. So step off. Leave me alone. Uh, so, so that night when you, uh, when you go to rest, because you're not going on the mission the next day, you get a knock on your door, and surprisingly, I would have thought it was Tifa. Yeah, but it's not. It is Jesse. Yeah, and this is where we go into, like, we were talking about the, the entire section that's basically completely new, which I actually found very interesting, but that doesn't have any parallel at all to the original game. Because Jesse wants you to go with her on a little mission before the next day's bombing run again. Because she was a weaker blasting agent, and you were you 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 were right last time. It was the blasting agent, which would suggest the bomb should be less powerful. Yeah, that's what I thought. She wants to go plate side, right? Which was which I was immediately intrigued by because the only time you got to go on top of the plates was at the very very end of the Midgar section in the original game. So I was kind of excited for. And this, you really personally. didn't get to explore that a whole lot either. No, because you just basically go straight to Shinra HQ and that's it. In this, Jesse wants you to take her up there to do this, but when you get there, Wedge and Biggs are there with motorcycles. Wedge and Biggs are there with motorcycles because you get there and you find out that the train schedule has changed. Right. And there was a there there were no more trains, which foreshadowing, hey, they're suddenly changing the train schedules. That doesn't seem cool. Because remember last time we we were on a train, we had the whole ID scan and everything. Yeah, which, it implies that they're doing some stuff all of a sudden. Which we already know from the main game that you get scanned in the next in the next section or whatever. But I did think that was that was a nice little touch of hey, the world is actually going on around you, and yeah. it turns out that they re- that suddenly all the trains are being 
are being taken in early, maybe for upgrades or whatever, the security system, so they kind of know what's going on. It, it, it's kind of one of those little details where, like, you may not even put those two, those two and two together, but it's one of those things where if the train s- schedule suddenly changes, well, maybe that had to do with the bombing or, or, or what have you, but yeah, it's kind of one of those neat little details of, hey, we need you to have a cool motorcycle mode. Yeah, so the motorcycle section that you only ever got at the very end of Midgar last time, this is chapter four, and we're going ahead and going to be on a motorcycle riding down the tracks, which was actually a pretty cool sequence. How did you feel about the motorcycle section compared to the original game? Oh, significantly better. I can't sing this one's praises enough. I mean, I still thought it was kind of... I still thought the whole motorcycle section was a little annoying because having a different attack button for both sides... I don't know if you've ever been on a motorcycle. I have, but I have no intention of being on one again because I almost crashed. <laughs> I'm sure that you're probably aware on how the gas works on a motorcycle, where right. it's basically just a you push with your hand, with your right hand, because the gas is normally on the right, you push your hand forward. And that's basically the same thing as a gas pedal, but you know it's designed so you're al- you always have your hands... On both on on both of the bars, and you do all your shifting with with your feet. So there isn't just like a gas pedal down there or something that that anyone who's driven a car would be used to. It, it, it's very different from driving a car. So here's another, I guess, notch against your whole cool guy thing because not only is he flying down the road one handed with his right hand correctly on the gas and his other hand with the sword attacking people because, of course, things go wrong and people end up attacking you. Yeah, a whole bunch of senior soldiers on bikes come up, which was admittedly, like, from a cinematic perspective, very cool. And here's the other first indication that the ID scan is not going to work because you make it through one, and then they're like, "Uh, by the way, if it happens again, there's going to be a problem, which is why I don't understand why they didn't immediately think it would be an issue the next day. But whatever, I, I guess plot armor. Well, again, that's another that's another one of those things that was strange because in the original game, they specifically mentioned that Jesse upgraded the IDs and they don't say anything about that this time either. Obviously, it didn't work, but like they were at least aware of the problem. And then this time around, that's another bit of dialogue that just didn't happen. And, and that is incredibly strange considering the fact that these IDs are 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 vital for them to to work now I, I do know at tifa mentions at one point something about the ids when you're on that train i don't remember exactly what but you do get this extra interaction with what well, we're not even there that's like way farther ahead so back to this whole tr- this whole this whole section so attacking on either side i i get that you have to i still feel like it could have been an error direction because I'm already going to be pointing to the right. If, if accelerate is the R2 key, which it was, I still feel like a directional button and attack would tell would be a better system for attacking on either side than just using a button. But I get that maybe you don't want to go right or 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 further. I don't know. I just I still feel like there is a a, a couple of controller issues. One of the issues I, 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 I had with it was it wasn't super clear that you were supposed to accelerate. Yeah. 
for a fair bit when people had first started showing up, I was like, cool, no one's back here, so I literally can't kill anybody. I don't know what to do. And then I looked in the top left-hand corner, and I'm like, oh, accelerate. And so then I accelerated, and suddenly now I'm in the fight. And then I never took my hand off of accelerate because there was never a reason not to. I actually had a couple times where people were like stuck behind me, and I did have to slow down a little bit. But then one of the coolest parts that we've had so far, and one of the one of the in in my opinion one of the best additions of the game, you fight another soldier who's very clearly insane. You're driving past, and you get a little cinematic that there's this dude on a motorcycle that is 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 smoking a cigarette or whatever, and just hanging out in the tunnel for no reason. <laughs> then you immediately get, hey, soldiers en route. Do you think it's him? Because if it is, we really need to get out of here, like, right now. It's very clear that even they are kind of freaked out by this dude. Yeah, he he, he definitely does not seem to inspire a lot of confidence in his uh, fellow Shinra employees. <laughs> More specifically, because when he shows up, he specifically kills multiple of them. Yeah, he just, like, drives his bike and causes them to wreck and... Yeah, it's 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 not great to put it mildly. Well, it's great for us. It's not great for them. He he very clearly kills some of his comrades, and then he's like, "Yeah, let's have a fight, me and you." Which was honestly awesome. One of my favorite parts about the whole motorcycle section was fighting this dude, Roche. He didn't at first when I was doing the fight. I was like, "Oh man, triangle is is never." ever like coming up it's so slow to recharge but it didn't really have an impact on my day because i still i still killed him but apparently not good enough there's a scene you can get if you have more than 80 percent damage left at the end of the scene the one i got jesse has this whole flirtatious interchange with you because it's very clear that jesse is crushing hard Every every girl is crushing hard on Cloud. Let's be real. Here here's the thing, Andrew. Like, what are their options? Their <laughs> options are Wedge, which is the the fat comic relief, Biggs, who is basically Cloud but not a soldier and uses a gun and basically does no damage. And speaking of Biggs, is it just me or does he look an awful lot like Charlie Sheen? He does. He really does. I can't stop seeing him every time I look at him. And then there's Garrett, who's emotionally invested in killing Shinra, Mako Reactors, and Marlene. I have to assume in that order. (laughs) Basically, and then Cloud shows up. It's like, okay, we have a serious contender for man meat, and um, I want a slice. Every single girl is like, it is time to break me off a piece of his Kit Kat bar because let's go. Every single girl that comes across him, especially because Katie is like, dude, you're so awesome. Our town is great because of you. You're amazing. I love you. You're the best. Okay, Katie, get it. I understand. Look at your options. There aren't any. (laughs) Because everybody near the end of that whole intersection, and that is one thing that I don't, I meant to say, 
I did find it incredibly endearing that like everyone in town as you're walking through there is like, hey, it's the mercenary. It's the Merc. It's the guy. Yeah, I really liked how much the dialogue changed as you went. Like walking past areas that you cleared, like the little side dungeons. There'd be people outside like calling that it's safe to go back to work. Like all these things. I, I was just really pleased with how alive the city felt like in, in terms of like reacting to the things you did. I, I really liked that part. Yeah, so so did I. And um, I, I meant to I meant to bring it up earlier, but I, I I had just kind of forgotten about it till now. But if you have more than 80% damage, instead of just telling you, hey, um maybe drive a little bit better next time and uh you had me a little worried there for a second. She kisses you on the cheek instead. If you oh. have enough damage left over and it was funny because when i was looking that up i was like oh man it's actually a much sweeter interchange i mean the 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 kiss aside it was actually a much sweeter more endearing conversation uh i felt than than the other one which is basically like yeah flirtatious and everything like that but it it kind of felt like she was just flirting with you out of nowhere because she also just got done railing on you for being a bad driver yeah even though it's impossible to say that Cloud is a bad driver in this scenario. Because all of the things that this dude was doing, if this game pulls that he's a loser, Andrew, that's insane. Yeah, the the motorcycle sequence. They just can't. (laughs) The motorcycle sequence was specifically the moment I was thinking about when I was talking about him doing ridiculous stuff and then being like, I don't know how the game is going to try to pull that. (laughs) They can't because if they pull that, that's impossible to believe. Like dude, the amount of amazing things he's done up until this point, he's had a couple of like dork moments, but that's just, as we know, Sethroff basically controlling him to get him to do whatever he wants to basically berate him over time. Regardless, after you get there, there's I, I I just I thought that it was very endearing and I thought that it was really nice and I'm like I kind of wish I had gotten that one. But when I was looking it up, one of the comments I saw was just on point. They're like, "Oh, no wonder I didn't get it. I had taken eighty percent damage and there was a massive warning flashing about my life." <laughs> I'm like, nice. So once you get there. Once you get to Jesse's house, she kind of tells you, hey, we're going to go inside and we're going to eat a bunch of my mom's pizza. When I give you the signal, you're going to go in the back and you're going to steal the key card. Yeah, her dad's ID. Because So Jesse's parents live on the plate and they live specifically in the section reserved for Shinra employees because her dad works for Shinra or did. Um, he is not doing a lot of anything anymore. It was unfortunately because he has mako poisoning which to a degree you find out from from wedge and biggs that he got mako poisoning because he was overworked i mean that's pretty typical for like an evil corporation i mean we see it all the time here today where where people are overworked and then accidents happen which obviously is is just abhorrent Mm -hmm. but on one standpoint i'm incredibly surprised that shinra didn't like kick them out he must have done he must have been doing really important work if they allowed them to stay on the plate after that especially it's considering true. he's not working anymore i thought that was 
either he was very important or just the cards fell right for them or something because there are several there are several Shinra employees that have to take the train in every day and have to live in the slums because that one Shinra employee that that Barrett gets into a fight with who is specifically listed as a manager no less yeah he he has to go to the slums every day now I don't know why maybe he's maybe he doesn't live there maybe he just happens to be on the train because he was doing some work out in the slums I don't know but it definitely doesn't seem like all Shinra employees are up there. And apparently her dad must have been pretty important if A, he has access to get all of this stuff. And B, even when he has Mako poisoning, they don't immediately kick him out. Yeah, and the game definitely, you know, makes it clear that this is the moment that radicalized Jesse and like why she wound up joining Avalanche is because of the fact that they did the and from her perspective, you know, did this to her dad by overworking him so much. And they also said that even after he passed out, he was out for like four hours getting Mako radiation before anybody found him, which is also, you know, pretty sure it was longer than that. Whatever. It was, it was a long time is the point. I think it was like multiple days. Oh, I didn't think it was that long. Regardless, it was far longer than it should have been before someone realized, Hey, where's Bob? <laughs> yeah. Hey, where's Jesse's dad? We don't have a name. I, I'm pretty sure he did have a name. I don't think they actually said it, though. Like, I thought I it was on his ID badge, though. I thought you could see it when she lifted it up. No, maybe you could. I don't. I, I didn't pay attention. So so I will have to say, walking in on Jesse's dad was actually rough for me. Yeah. I, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but uh, my mom passed away like seven years ago now. Uh, she had cancer. And so there was a lot of her in a bed just like that at home. And Jesse even says she was like, yeah, I really should have done it myself, but I really just couldn't go in there. And I'm like, yeah, I totally get it. Because even though this isn't like I'm very familiar with this situation and that section, even though it lasted just a minute or two when you were going in there and taking this guy, stealing from this guy who's bedridden because he's so sick i was like oh man it it brought up some some rough memories and i was like cool let's get out of here as fast as possible meanwhile yeah wedge is in there stuffing his face with pizza he's like oh let me just let me just get another slice and jesse's like uh no we gotta go which once again comes back to i really wish they do something with wedge other than ha 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 he's the fat comic relief guy but I wish they'd do something with Wedge and Biggs, honestly. Yeah. And and I just don't... Where I'm at now, I, I really can't see how I'm going to get that. And that's incredibly disappointing. Based off of what I know of the original game, and I know that they've already done a bunch of extensions and everything like that, but just the way that it flowed together, I really don't know how they're going to... How we're going to meet up again, and it isn't just immediately them dying. I yeah. really hope that doesn't happen, but I'm going to be shocked if they change that. I mean, I, I, I really can't imagine that that's not going to happen. I mean, I don't know that it'll happen right away, but like, there's no way that that sequence isn't going to happen. So it doesn't mean that they have to die, though. I mean, it's true, but I feel like even best case scenario, I feel like even best case scenario, there's no way they don't at least imply it for the first game. And then maybe we get it as a surprise for the second game that they actually made it out somehow. I know because that's kind of like the Midgar section before it ended it off with that. But 
The other thing is, I already told you I'm with Aerith. It's chapter eight. There's 10 more chapters. Andrew, I, I don't know what's left. Well, half the game, apparently. <laughs> apparently more than half. Like, I, I seriously don't understand what is left at this point based off of the original thing. And and they've put a couple of extensions here and there, but it still only feels like, what, 20 hours or so? I, I want to say like 20, 30 hours, maybe. Well, I think I saw the like estimated playtime, like assuming you don't do all the side quests and you just po- plow through the main story. And I don't know how much the side quests are going to add, but the estimate I've seen is like 35 hours. I feel like that's an incredibly small estimate. As I know, I put more than 35 hours into it already. The side quests do not add that much. Unless there's a bunch near the end, which is typical for a JRPG, but honestly, I don't know. Regardless, I want to say I'm at like 12 hours at this point. I, I, I feel like I'm definitely farther than that. Well, you're also farther in the game than I am. I know, but I, I aren't you in Chapter 7? Have, didn't you just finish it? Yeah. I mean, I just got to Chapter 8. So I don't know how you don't have more hours than that already. I don't know how you're already at, 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 at only 12 hours. I don't know. I mean, I definitely haven't stopped and done a bunch of grinding. I, as soon as I finish the quests, I've moved on. I haven't done 20 hours worth of grinding. Well, I don't know. I haven't done, like, any, so I'm I'm sure that's some of it. I don't know how much there would be, but... Not 20 hours, I can assure you of that. I feel like your estimate is low. Well, as soon as we're done, I can go look, but I'm almost positive it's, like, 12 hours. Maybe maybe I'm giving a high estimate. I don't know. But I I, I feel like I've played it a lot longer than that, which I guess is good on the game. It feels like it's been a longer experience than what it's been. It's also been a relatively dense experience, too, because, like, you know, here we are just finishing up, like, Chapter 4, or not even finishing Chapter 4 yet. We're, like, halfway through Chapter 4, and that's really, a, what, a few hours of game time, and we've gotten multiple episodes out of it. That I mean, like, in the sense that, you know, there's a lot going on in a relatively short amount of time, which I think is also part of why it feels longer than it actually is. I think that's more on us uh, and rehashing old topics. We didn't do that very much this time, though. <laughs> This time, no, but in, in the Last first time, episode, yes, for sure. it was definitely just a giant repeat. Like, half of it was just repeat. It was uh, not, not repeats. They were classic content. <laughs> sure. If you want to put that spin on it, I, I guess I can agree with that. Classic content. But then after you kind of do, after you get out of there, you, you have an opportunity to kind of talk to Jesse again. It's just... You, you you basically immediately go to the headquarters and they kind of go over the plan with you. And I thought there was this really, really funny moment. It's not it's not the headquarters. It's just like a warehouse that they have supplies. Yeah, you know? whatever. It looked like it. <laughs> that was seriously the largest warehouse I've ever seen. Everything is huge. Like, the size of the reactors is enormous. I mean, obviously, react, like, power plants are big in real life, but they're not nearly as big as those things are. Everything in Midgar is huge. I mean, have you actually been in a in a reactor in real life? I mean, okay, I haven't been inside a nuclear power plant or anything, and I know those are larger, but, like, I'm not saying they're not big, but, like... I've been inside an actual power plant as well, and it's humongous. They They are huge. My mom used to work for AEP, American Electric Power Company. One of her jobs at one point was basically going around and doing 
like inspections of of old older plants and stuff and seeing like what they need to do to revamp them what they need to do to this that or the other i don't know i was young at the time occasionally uh for for take your kid to work day since she was doing so much traveling and going to all these plants and stuff all the time she wasn't home a whole lot and so we didn't get the opportunity to do take your kid to work day well she was like she got permission to have us go to several of the plants once and i got to like walk around multiple different gigantic power plants and dude that yeah that's about right i mean they're humongous we they, they had this giant generator that was in the floor that was seriously like two or three stories that was just like this humongous generator thing they're massive okay fair enough maybe <laughs> i mean i I knew they were large, but I didn't think they were the size of those reactors because those reactors are enormous. But maybe I'm just underestimating the real life ones. Oh, oh yeah, you you definitely you definitely are, because I've I've had the rare opportunity to be inside one, and they are humongous. It's really I I mean it's really cool too. I mean, despite you know, I I don't necessarily agree with coal and and oil these days, but whatever. It, it was really cool to see the inside of those plants. It's just like just seeing like what humans are capable of is just kind of especially when you're talking about large scale like that. And and maybe it's because I was a younger kid. Obviously, things are larger in size. But I mean, I do remember it being absolutely massive. Fair enough, then. I think we're going to have to save Jesse's plan to raid this warehouse for the next episode. Well, real quick. Okay. Because I didn't mention this, and it's I just I wanted to mention it because it's so funny to me. When Wedge and Biggs tells you about Jesse's past and they give you more information, Wedge is or, or Biggs is like, "Hey man, by the way, you can't tell Jesse because when she gets mad, she gets punchy." <laughs> Cloud's like, "Yeah, uh, the same thing that he always says, no promises," and Wedge immediately goes, "Dude." I'm serious, man. She'll beat the crap out of us if you tell her. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yes. It, 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 it's that kind of stuff that makes me just love Avalanche, despite all of the all of the annoyances that I've had in the previous episodes. It's those kind of interactions where it's like, these people aren't bad. I understand what they're doing. I understand why they're doing it. I just, again, I just don't agree with the way they're doing it. Um, but that's all I wanted to bring up because I just thought that was so funny. I thought that was so funny of, of, of both of them. It's like, dude, you don't understand. She will destroy us if you mention this. I mean, it's just like we said about Witcher and other games. Like, it's the quiet moments like that where you aren't in the middle of fights and stuff that wind up being the spots that I think are the most memorable because that's when you really do, like, all the character development and stuff. Yeah, and, and I, I completely agree with that because it, it is very... It really is endearing for those characters, and it really makes you you care about them when you're in a situation like that, and and, and when you have little moments like that. Maybe not for Cloud, uh, because he's a jerk, a a unfeeling robot. <laughs> but yeah, that's gonna have to do it for this episode of Video Games Cover to Cover. We'll continue next week picking up where we left off here with the raid on the warehouse. And as always, you can find us on Twitter or via our email or on our Discord. And as always, I will put the links to those in the episode description. I hate Shinra. Shinra.